startup is not the success. Startup is an awful thing, actually. Startup is the part, like, is the part of the roadmap of the company when everything is chaotic. You don't know where you go. You don't know where you do. You, you need to understand based on different assumptions, what is the best way for your company to grow. You need to test. The main idea of the startup is to test different possibilities, different roads to understand which of them is the one that you need. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking very nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category, top 200 in San Francisco, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in the UK, top 30 in Sweden, top 25 in Italy, and top 25 in India. So please keep going, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. My guest today is Dmitry Norenko from the Alfred Nobel University in Ukraine to be in a managing partner at Norenko and Partners providing consultancy services for the biggest debt collection companies and banks in the European Union, from being the CEO of Bnesis in Poland, creating a robust software development kit to help developers simplify their job in integrating third-party apps to getting AppSwat accepted to Berkeley Skydeck in California, which is UC Berkeley's premier startup accelerator with top-tier funds like Sequoia, Sierra, Mayfield, Canvas, and others. Dmitry is the CEO at AppSwat, a company that created a white-label business health dashboard powered with 120 API-enabled apps. AppSwat technology serves dozens of financial institutions, helping them to build loyalty and grow engagement among their small and medium-sized business clients. Data is aggregated in real time and thousands of signals are analyzed to help SMBs better understand the health of their businesses via interactive dashboards. The platform is an add-on to online banking and onboarding that motivates 74% of small, medium-sized businesses and mid-market companies to provide API-enabled opt-in 
continuous access to the financial sales and marketing data within the apps they regularly use to run their businesses. On the back end, AppSwot surfaces meaningful data for relationship managers to upsell the right products and services while providing more meaningful and longer lasting relationships. That was long, but we're going to have a lot of fun. So Dmitry, how are you today? Uh, everything is fine. Thanks a lot for this invitation and the chance to talk with you and explain what we are all about. We will have a lot of fun, but let's begin first with one thing. Do you want us to focus on, like you said, the banks and mid-market companies or on the small and medium-sized businesses? So, uh, you see, uh, we sell our technology to the banks, financial institutions, uh, yes. and not only the banks, uh, our focus is on the banks, but we have, uh, for example, fintechs working with us, insurance companies, several telcos, and even one of the largest transactional companies in the world. The focus is on the banks because they serve mid-market companies and small and medium-sized businesses. So we sell our technology to banks to make them more efficient in helping their clients to perform better. Tell me more efficient, which you used efficient rather than effective, which is a totally different thing when it comes to Peter Drucker's definition. But let's say, okay, more efficient in helping their mid-market and SMB clients. I read what I explained in the introduction, but please correct me if I uh, understood wrong. This is my understanding that the data that those companies have, the SMBs, is dispersed over all kinds of tools, whether it's uh, on Amazon or on some dashboards everywhere, and maybe some Excel sheets and Google Docs and all kinds of things. And what you offer is a place that will take all that data and summarize it into a dashboard that shows the health of the company and what those banks or whoever you're selling to can do is offer this as a service which will be attractive to those um, entrepreneurs because they will for free or for a, for a fee or whatever get the ability to at a glance have all that data put into one place to know the health of their company as well as like you said the relationship managers will be able to see where is the weakness or the missing piece that they can upsell and sell one of their services that the client is not already using based on that data is this a fair understanding and if not please co correct anything or add any missing pieces Yes, basically, that's correct. Uh, so let's say right now in the US, uh, 33 million of businesses of different sizes. These businesses regularly use six, seven apps on average. Accountancy app, CRM app, e-commerce platforms, marketing tools, post systems. And there is no way for them to combine all the data and the most important insights out of this data in one place. But there are 9,000 of banks in the US and they serve all 33 million of businesses. So we decided that we should create the platform. Uh, maybe you know, by the way, Mint from Intuit app. Uh, this is like for consumers app that allows to combine all financials in one place. We created Mint for businesses as the part of online banking, mobile banking, or even standalone solution at the website of the bank. It allows business to connect all the data 
through APIs. Uh, we are purely API-enabled platform. And see the insights into the performance, into the sales processes of the company in one place, in their bank. And get recommendations what to do next. So something like we can check uh, and compare efficiency of the marketing channels of the company and help them to understand where it's better to invest their marketing budget. Or we can say what will happen with the sales of the client in e-commerce platform, like Amazon, eBay, or Shopify, and adjust their plan according to their stocks, if they have enough goods in the stocks to fulfill the future demand. We One can second, the- I have to ask, mm-hmm. do you provide this recommendation or do you provide the insights that they will have to understand on their own what to do next? In our case, this is actionable insights. So this is recommendation, what to do next. But this is recommendation according to the banking regulations. So they decide what to do next. We just help them to understand what are the options that they have right now. Thank you. And to ask you even a bit more about this, let's play the devil's advocate a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, you said they can be using six different apps. Why not get an intern or someone from Fiverr who will put it into an Excel sheet and create that dashboard? What is the benefit of using you? And is it like something that the bank will does not typically charge for? Or is it a premium service that they charge for? So two things compared to the alternative of hiring some junior intern or anything like that that will do this work manually every day and well it can provide similar outcomes in the in the dashboard and or is this something that banks are charging for or is it something they're offering in order to retain and develop relationships so it's not paid yes um so let's say like this uh, excel won't be able to give you the cash flow forecast Excel won't be able to show you what will happen with your sales on e-commerce platforms or post systems soon. Um, Excel table won't be able to help to understand which of your employees is not performing very good. And definitely Excel won't be able to compare various apps that are using simultaneously between each other, like marketing tools. You can use five of them or even 20 of them simultaneously. Which channel is the best one? Which is the most efficient? And in turn, that you are going to hire won't be able to build the same for you as well. So by with a couple of clicks, you can connect all the data from all your apps combined in one single screen. And the secret, the most important, it's not about the dashboards. It's about insights. Based on your performance from different tools, based on all the data that you own, you will get recommendations what to do next. 33 million of SMBs in the US, but 78% of them, they don't have any experience and any education to manage the company. That's why SMB segment is the riskiest, but they create the most of GDP in any developed country. They don't have resources to hire professionals. Interns is maybe solution, but only partly. That would be cool, I believe you will agree with me, if the bank can offer a new product when everything can be consolidated in one single place and based on analyzing all the data, you get the next best step. And this part Thank of the you. solution... And one second, this is really good. But I have to ask, because you're speaking about the next best next step. Well, there needs to be a primordial paradigm assumption in there, which is, well, why... Is your method able to give the next best 
um, course of action because if you ask 900 experts, you'll probably get 900 different next best actions. So what is in your, whether you're using artificial intelligence or you're using something modeling of some true genius brains or using some uh, really agreed on economic and business practices, uh, best practices, or what do you use when choosing that next best action, whether it comes to speaking about who, which, which employees are the best performing and which are the worst, like you mentioned, which, uh, how the uh, management of the ERP and all that stuff is happening, as well as the marketing channels and which money is getting positive ROI and which the channels aren't. So this is the mix of everything. We have the resources to hire the best people in this industry, so they, they can build the best models. And we are working with more than 30 financial institutions which serve millions of SMBs. So we can train our models based on the people, their decisions, compare the results of different recommendations, and give the next best step based on our personal experience, based on experience of our team and our professionals that we can hire and based on experience of those people that are using our technology through the banks right now. Thank you. So to make sure you have experts that are creating great models as well as it's learning from what each of your end users are doing and the results generated by whatever decisions they made to find the high probability decisions, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, the longer we can do this, the better models we can create. So you see, even Google is changing their algorithms almost twice a year because they can find the better solution. So we are doing the same. We are a startup. Uh, we are performing based on our experience in this startup. So there are lots of things to be improved, but it seems we are moving the right way. Thank you. And you said we have the resources to hire the best people and you are a startup. So what kind of resources were you able to access? Did you get some investment from some prestigious fund like you mentioned? Or what do you mean exactly with having the resources to hire the best people who will create the best models? Yes, we raised money. We will announce our new round at the end of February. Uh, so we raised money from three venture funds and uh, one corporation and several dozens of angels as well professionals in the industry but we will publicly announce it a little bit later in a month Great. approximately so yeah you don't have to announce it here but i have to mm -hmm. ask you those people who invested when they speak to you about your pitch or your idea they say wow i love x about it what is exactly the most interesting impressive or the part because even though you have the whole thing but typically investors there is like a five percent thing in the pitch that really stands out to them. What was it for Upswot? That we can build actionable insights based on alternative data that no one can, can right now at this stage. Thank you so much. And to ask you, are financial institutions, fintech and banks eager and open and willing to do this? Or because typically at least banks uh, have a more of a traditional conservative model and therefore they're not as open to new things as they should or could be so how is it happening when it comes to the banks and 
are you looking to get even more traction? Is there traction uh, right now? And what is happening? So the banks are different. Like all of us, we are different. So obviously, selling cycle with the bank is not that easy. It takes some time. But yes, national banks, we have three out of top 10 in the US working with us. Uh, I can't say that that was easy, but that was pretty fast uh, comparing with their average sales cycle. They need the data. They need to help their clients to perform better. They need to compete. And the world is changing. COVID changed a lot. And we are pushing their clients and we are pushing the banks to switch online and interact with their clients online to make the processes cheaper. Right now, we are focusing mostly on community banks. There are 4,000 of them in the US. They are not that level innovative as the national banks. The technology and the positioning that we offer to national banks should be adjusted and simplified. But yes, we got national banks, uh, sorry, uh, community banks, and we will move that way as well. So sometimes, obviously, we get no, because this is something tremendously new. And the banks are not sure that they are ready for this. Very often we get yes. And every time we get yes, we become better. And I believe that uh, those banks who sometimes say us no, they will say yes. Because having experience with other institutions, driving revenues for them, engagement, um, that helps to get the, the other clients who are more skeptical about this way of interacting with the clients. I like that. So let's focus on community banks. I want to ask two things. One, who in community banks typically makes this decision so that we think through their perspective as a decision maker? And the second, you said the world was changed by COVID. They need the, the data and their clients need the insights and they need the retention and everything. So please explain to me to them as a bank what specifically, not in our more business speak, but specifically, what kind of data do they need? What help do, can they provide to SMBs? And when they help them, what happens that is positive for the community banks? Yeah, so uh, community banks, they have several problems as of now. So the first one, those, obviously, they have lots of problems, but those on which we are aiming uh, renewals and interaction with their clients. So coming back to renewals, uh, to get renewal, to pass the renewal process, the community bank manager should call the client or his CPA, third-party accountant, and ask them for the reports. They promise to send the reports, but usually they don't send them immediately. They need to call again. When they get the report, the reports might be available in different formats. XML format, you know, or even the photo of the report on the phone. Like, and that's a problem. That makes the process of passing renewal difficult, expensive for community banks. We are solving this problem by giving continuous access to the financial apps of their clients. So community banker doesn't need to call anyone. He's just opening the profile of the client and he sees tax returns, balance sheet, profit and losses, accounts receivables, aging, everything that they need without calling anywhere. And the process is very simple. The process is straightforward. The process is very cheap for the bank. So... This is what we do for them because we combine APIs to more than to almost 220, uh, 200, yeah, 200, 217 apps as of now. And we created the technology that pushes the clients of the banks to provide continuous access to this data because we give them the dashboards, we give them fast access to the money, we give them the insights and recommendations. By sharing the data with the bank, the client gets something back and something back helps them to perform better. 
the second problem that community banks are facing, their strategy is in building relationship with the clients. They know the name of the dog of the client. They know when the client leaves, they go to the same bar. Um, they know their families. They know everything. But still, not enough. New clients are coming. New generations are coming. They don't go to the branches. The lives of the people is changing all the time. But if the bank has continuous access to the QuickBooks of the client, Salesforce of the client, PayPal of the client, Square of the client, we can check the needs of the client in real time and give recommendations. Something like, please offer Mr. Williams working capital right now because he just bought a warehouse and he needs to have resources to buy equipment for the warehouse. Or talk with Mr. Scott because he just opened account in another bank. Maybe he's going to switch. Maybe he's leaving our bank and switching to another one. Or Mr. Smith is doing a great job. His sales on Amazon are growing. Let's offer him line of credit to help him to invest more money in marketing and generate more revenues. So by tracking all the changes in the apps of the client, we provide actionable insights to relationship managers and automate marketing, obviously. So from one angle, we cut the costs on renewals and underwriting. From another angle, we help relationship managers to sell better with the help of insights and with the help of marketing automation. So the banks can grow their sales by 18% on average. From another angle, the same data is provided as the insights to the clients of the banks. So this is win-win for both sides. And everything is based on purely API-enabled access, opt-in access to the data that is unavailable to anyone, the data of the business owners. Thank you. So to confirm, you said that the process of renewal is both manual and it doesn't happen according to um, the limits or whatever deadlines are happening because when they contact someone or their CPA, those paperwork or pictures or whatever files that are usually not compatible with the bank system are usually sent late or they need to keep reminding them, but which can be a problem in renewing those accounts. But when it's being automated by you, all that data is already there and usable and therefore there is no lag and there is no incomplete information as well as no need to contact anyone which can even be more automated, reducing the need for human labor and the human man hours to do this. As well as now we're speaking about the insights, which is very clever that both you provide insights to the bank's uh, relationship managers or marketing team so that you already are using the data to predict the needs of the uh, small and medium-sized businesses and the people there. Like someone is at a stage where they might need a loan for a new house or a, a new marketing investment or anything which is based on your data will show that there is a lot of potential for growth there or a good and profitable loan for them to give or any other kind of service which means they don't have to either think or keep it in their minds or do anything like that your uh, algorithms are doing it for them which means they will miss a lot less opportunities or none at all which maximizes the revenue and them taking advantage of all opportunities as well as you have all the information on the clients with them them needing 
to speak to them in person, which is happening more and more in the time of COVID where people don't go to the branch and the new generations are not used to go to the branch anyway. They prefer online services, which automatically you provide all that data as much as possible. And it is opt-in and as well as to the clients who are opting in what they receive is for their business you not only aggregate all the data but tell them what are the next best next moves in every focus whether it's in the marketing or in their um, fulfillment or in employee management or cash flow or anything related to that which means they will benefit as well so you're both serving them and the bank and then my question becomes This reminds me a lot of how Facebook works or even Google, where you have predictive ads and marketing based on the patterns that show what will that person need next. And right now, and you are based in the U.S. right now, there is some kind of backlash and a concern over privacy. And I know you mentioned it's opt-in, but still, how do you deal with that? What is your answer to some people who say, look, my data is my data why should you use it like that and have all that access and insight that maybe i'm not comfortable with or don't agree with and i know you will say well they're opting in it's volunteering it's acceptable but beyond that if there was any rising of concern over privacy what would be your bigger answer we are white label solution Uh, This is the question of the trust to the bank. If the client trusts the bank, they will share the data. If they don't trust the bank, they don't share the data. And you are right. Like uh, We don't promise the banks that all 100% of their clients will share the data. We don't need this, actually. Uh, Even if only 20% of the clients share the data, the bank is already happy. They don't have this data at all. We give them 20% of the customer base with this data, at least. But actually, we give much more. This is one thing. The second thing, the world is changing. Uh, Maybe you heard about the company which is called Cabbage that was recently acquired by American Express. In 10 years, they provided 17 billion of dollars in loans offering only to share the data. And 100% of their clients shared the data. Uh, Hundreds of thousands, millions of businesses. This is what we do as well. There is Mint app from Intuit. 60-something million of consumers in the US and Canada are using Mint and they share their financials, utility bills, assets with Intuit Corporation just to combine everything in one single screen, build the credit score and get the insights. The concept is not new. New generations are coming. They will share the data. Um, so actually we are not worried about this because we fulfill all the promises that we give to our clients. We deliver at least uh, 37% even to very, very rural banks, rural banks, uh, that serve very rural community, um, and they are happy to get this data. Thank you so much for that answer. And I'm curious about something right now. Who is the larger share of the end consumer for Upswat? Is it small-sized businesses or is it medium-sized, the end, you know, users at this point in time? That depends on, like, in any country, uh, we are working right now in six countries. In each country, uh, the difference between SMB is huge. So let's say in the U.S., the sweet spot are the businesses uh, between 2 and $25 million of dollars. They already have the apps to use and lots of them. 
but they don't have resources and experience to understand and use this data. So this is the sweet spot, but there are lots of businesses that share the data that are below $1 million in revenues because they have accountancy. They are dependable on the accountant that reports once in quarter. They use so many marketing apps to promote their products and services. There are large institutions, uh, something around between 50 and $75 million in revenues, still need the support, but this support is provided per department, for example. Uh, and with one national bank in the US right now, we are testing our technology for mid-market companies, those that are between $500 million and $1.5 billion in revenues. So that depends. We are a young company. We are a little bit more than two years old. Um, we are focused definitely only on small businesses. Um, but we see that this idea and this concept can be scaled in any direction. Thank you. So to confirm, the sweet spot is two million to twenty-five million, uh, correct? Yes, in in annual revenue. Yeah. Yes, and to ask you even more specifically, because I would like to see some what is called in marketing demonstration or proof or anything like that. Do you have some research or data or even um, feedback from your? end users in the, within that sweet spot that say, oh my God, we were XYZ in effectiveness or efficiency, like you mentioned efficiency before, or we were doing XYZ, but thanks to you, we were able to do much, much better. And to make sure I see the perspective and the benefit even deeper, are you more, because I don't think this is true, but let me test it. Do you allow more businesses to survive? Because, you know, there is that statistic that 80 to 90 or maybe 95% over 10 years of small to medium-sized businesses go bankrupt. But to make sure I understand, do you deal with companies in that stage and therefore you allow more to stay, grow and survive? Or do you uh, work with more stable and established businesses, which seems to be the case for me, and please correct me if I'm wrong. And therefore, what you allow is optimizing momentum, growth, scaling, and every use of every man hour, resource, money, time, and having more data so that it's not like that cliche where as a CEO or an executive, you're, you only make information like a car driver you only make decisions like a car driver looking at the uh, rear view mirror and you don't know what's coming next but you're actually giving them patterns that the human brain or the naked eye cannot see and therefore you're being like almost a superhuman add-on to the brain of the ceo and this is great marketing to use that you are the almost the cyborg version or the ai add-on brain to the ceo to take them to the level of someone much more effective and giving them decades of um, expert experience as well as data that their competitors and nobody else can see that insights that they cannot get otherwise and therefore they will grow, make better decisions and make more money of course and stay afloat and thrive rather than risk bankruptcy or a reduction and a threat to their cash flow. Please comment since this was a lot, but I know you're very smart. So please tell me your perspective on this. So we are two years old company. Uh, obviously, we didn't start collecting this data from day one. Uh, we don't have this information, how we exactly influence the surveillance of their 
uh, huge portion of the businesses. We don't know this yet, uh, but probably soon we will know. There should be historical period of the data that should be collected to make this analytics. Um, this is the first thing. Uh, one, the second thing, our client is the bank. We sell to the bank. The bank is paying me. I don't say that the end client of my technology is the business. We give them the motivation to share the data with the bank and we use this data to help with renewals, marketing automation, insights. Insights to the SMBs is the way to push them to share the data. Obviously, we will grow our company later to uh, help them survive, understand better what they should do. And when we have the statistics to understand that these insights are helping them um, to grow faster, for example, we see that we are helping them. But to make to provide you with the accurate answer regarding how much uh, that uh, influences the surveillance of the company or reduces their, uh, I don't know, like the death of the company, the percentage, yes, in some meaning, we need to collect more information. We don't know this yet. So I would be happy to say that, yes, definitely we help them uh, grow and everything okay. And we see that we are doing this. But to provide you from analytics point, correct answer, we need to have this data. And to have this data, there should be historical period where we can compare the results. Those businesses that used our system, those businesses that didn't use our system. What's the difference? We don't know this yet, officially, because not enough information, not enough historical period. Thank you so much. That was a great answer. And I want to move on to a more personal kind of short line of questioning to you as Dmitri. Someone with so much experience in entrepreneurship, etc. So leaving Upswot aside, you as an entrepreneur, how do you view entrepreneurship? What are to you? Because every expert, the difference between a, a newbie and an expert is that the new person is overwhelmed by too much information while the expert finds the 5% signal within the noise and they focus on that above and before everything else. It's like first things first, second things, almost none at all. So to you, what is entrepreneurship since you have a lot of experience in it? What are the 5% things you focus on in order to grow your business and to validate your idea? And I don't know exactly what those 5% will be, which will be sharing your perspective and advice to all kinds of other entrepreneurs who might learn. That depends on the stage of the company. We are at the stage when we raised millions of dollars. And right now, my main goal is to make the best hires and lay off those employees which, which are not performing as we were accepting. Obviously, fundraising, obviously, building sales teams. Before that, uh, my main goal was, my main job was to do everything. So the start, startups are, grow, are growing in cycles. Uh, you start with your partners, you do everything. Later, you hire the first several people and you dedicate some responsibility to them. But still, you do almost everything. And the more advanced startup is, the more important to hire the people better than founders. To find better salespeople, to find better technical people, to find better people responsible for the product development. This is my main goal, to make the key highest and adjust the processes because we are not the startup anymore. We are becoming the company. Startup is not the success. Startup is an awful thing, actually. Startup is the, like, is the part of the roadmap of the company when everything is chaotic. 
you don't know where you go you don't know where you do you, you need to understand based on different assumptions what is the best way for your company to grow you need to test the main idea of the startup is to test different possibilities different roles to understand which of them is the one that you need and after that when you can finally focus on something when you understand where there is let's say product market fit the next thing that any ceo of the company should do is to hire people better than the ceo or cto and ceo and build the processes so that they are scalable so that the path that you find is easy scalable to prove this and invest money in this and raise the next round to move faster thank you very much it reminds me of uh, rich shefren's theory that you know a startup or a business is not a pet that you need to care for it forever it's like a baby you first care for it but then once it becomes an adult it should be taking care of itself and strong enough to take care of you rather than a pet who needs your attention and work forever so you're not building a golden job for yourself but rather a freedom business that comes from going up and stepping back and getting to the metacognition level to think about your business rather than work in it so you're working on it which is very very wonderful thank you so much dmitri and if people want to learn more about you about your business and just follow the latest developments and maybe reach out in case that is important. What links, websites, or even personal uh, social media or LinkedIn or whatever would you like to share? And I would like to write, I will write those in the description. Yeah, sure. Like I'm, you can easily find me on LinkedIn. I'm always open to new contacts and happy to provide some feedback to the community of founders if I can to help someone not to make our mistakes. Uh, people should help each other. This The world will become a better place for all of us. Uh, you know, like the best uh, job in this is done by Israeli community. They are doing a great job by supporting each other. Small country focused on the global market, no matter what company they create, and they support each other. Um, everyone should do the same. Uh, and yes, I would be happy to share my social media links and uh, Link to the website, but the website will be updated very soon. Right now, this is something that is not encouraging in even our team when we take a look at the website, so it will be much better. So, yeah, open to this. Thank you. This that Twitter is the most thriving place for founders. So anybody who wishes to contact me, my DMs are open. You can send me a private message at the name of this podcast, which is my handle, No Code Wealth anytime and i will be open and eager to receive as well thank you so much dmitri and i wish you a great great day thank you very much abdul aziz i wish you a great day as well stay safe mm -hmm.